0: Hey guys, this is Myleek. This is the My Taught You podcast. I am back um, with a pop-up podcast of sorts because I got an email last night. Well, I opened my My Taught You at Gmail and I got a four-page letter um, that I printed out today that I wanted to discuss because I felt like if one person feels this heavy, um, there has to be at least 200 people uh minimum feeling this way. So this is going to be um, a lengthy podcast. So I just want to prepare you for that. Um, But I do think that it's going to be very interesting. We are going to talk about um, perceived late bloomers, people who feel like they are behind in life. But the overarching theme that I got from this letter was just this heavy burden of comparison. So... Um, Before I get into this, the website is mytaughtyou.com. I put my uh, new journal, uh, the 2017 journal. You guys know I love to release a journal every year. My journal is pre-selling on my website right now, and the title of it is just Hustle, and I'm giving you um, my true tips on how I connect and establish relationships, how I manage to hustle um, things that I do, and so that's happening. Okay, without further ado, let's get into this letter. Hi, Miley. First, I'm a huge fan of yours, thank you. And I think that what you are doing out here is beautiful. I don't think I have enough words, but you truly inspire me. I listen to your podcast and they really pick me up. And honestly, they just keep getting better. This new round of interviews has been so refreshing, refreshing and just human. Thank you. Thank you. Again, I don't have the best words, but I just see your continued evolution and that you're really feeding your listeners. I'm the same age as you. And I honestly wish I had your podcast at 20, as a 20 something, which brings me to the focus of my question. This is actually quite long and more than a single question. It's a request for your thoughts and perspective on women who are older and don't really have it together yet. While I remain inspired when I listen to you every day, when I look at my life and compare all of the things I could have or should have accomplished to what I actually have accomplished, which is minimal, it brings me to tears. This is something that remains a constant subconscious burden to me daily. I judge myself, <clears throat> knowing that a part of it is just about not doing what needs to be done. But another part of it is motivation. I will preface this by saying that I have dealt with depression since my college days, probably longer than that, but it was definitely most severe at that time, but it has become a part of my normal existence. I very much related to your account of your experience in college. I was surprised, but also felt a little comfort knowing that what I had experienced was not that off base or unique, nor did it necessarily indicate something was wrong with me. At any rate, there were some traumatic life circumstances that occurred during that time that helped contribute to the, dep- to the depression, in addition to the shock of college life and zero support system. I pretty much flunked an entire semester or two and lost it. Growing up, I was the honor roll student. I wanted to go to law school. So for me, messing up, was, messing up like that was traumatizing because my identity was tied to my academic ability. I let myself down and hit rock bottom. I wasn't quite familiar with depression yet at that point, but I did go to the school therapist who quietly and emotionlessly stared at me while I cried and made me feel totally pathetic. I got out of there as quickly as I could and never returned. The one beautiful gift he did give me was a book entitled Toxic Parents, which I still haven't read to this day. But years later, I completely understood why that he was listening after all. He as smug as he was, LOL. The point is, I lost a lot of years. And even though I know all of the circumstances surrounding that, as I've grown older, I understand the importance and need of a support system, which I've never had. I can't stop criticizing myself for the lost time. There's still this part of me that says I should have figured it out way before now, alone or not. I did finally, around 26 or 27, decide that I wasn't allowing myself to continue to lose time being depressed about my measly two-semester mistakes. Obviously, by that age, I'd messed up so much, those two semesters were child's play. Funny how perspective changes with circumstances. So I began making strides to go back and finish my degree, and finally got it at age 30, May 2011. I had my first child February that same semester, but still finished with no issue. I love my son, but that too, being with his dad and having a kid was yet another decision, yet another bad decision. A 19-year-old decision that I made at 30. Honestly, when I hear you talking on your podcast sometimes, I'm inspired but also cringing at myself. As much as I enjoy listening at times, I truly question where I fit in in listening. I feel like I am not the audience because the audience you're speaking to just wouldn't make decisions like this. At any rate, on with my story. About six months after graduation... I went right into corporate as a temp, earning $15 an hour, leaving home at 6 a.m., catching the bus for a two hour commute to work and doing the same thing in the evening, catching the bus to pick my 11 month old up from daycare, going home and starting all over again. I went permanent, survived some of the nastiest office politics and still managed to make a name for myself through my work. I guess you could say that that. I guess you could say that that determined, bright eyed, motivated college graduate emerged 10 years later. All of this gave me some confidence that the person I used to believe I was, I still was. However, I still managed to tarnish that name being late. And this was after getting a car. I know. Chew on that. Something so simple. I honestly think it's more psychological than anything because I am the most dedicated, thorough, get to the bottom of the issue, find the gaps, fix the process person you will ever meet. If you've ever read Strength Finders 2.0, the chapter on the analytical person personality is all about me. I thrive on doing a job right and well, but I am late, not my work, just me. And the more I dislike my work environment, the worse it is, I swear it's not conscious. Fortunately, my work ethic allowed me to hold on to my job for three plus years and even receive an offer for a promotion in another department within the company in spite of a manager who was desperately trying to fire me using the clock as ammunition. Fast forward to today. I declined the internal offer with my company for an external with a company that was not run nearly as well and that could care less about finding issues or improving processes and I was laid off five months later due to a reorganization. In fixes, wait, in truth, I was late, and they didn't like me, and they didn't care what value I could add. So when it was was time to get rid of duplicate roles when the company reorganized, they sent me off with a month's notice where I remained on payroll with my salary, but no longer had to report to work, a two-week severance package, ha! After that, and a measly $1,000 bonus a few months later when they closed out the fiscal year. I was out of work for eight long months with a five-year-old for the first time since graduating. And it honestly was a very dismal reality check. It brought me face to face with the reality that I wasn't a recent grad in the traditional sense. I was a 36-year-old mother who was in the same position in my career as a recent grad. I don't have the luxury of time to make these mistakes. Yet that decade, yet that decade of my 20s is gone. I was so proud of myself when I finally got my degree because I went back and finished something. But a degree means working for other people and being at their whim and mercy. And while I have always been that girl to ask for extra projects and work so that I could learn, and it has helped me, I'm still fairly new to my career, but I'm having 26 or 27-year-old struggles at 37. And it has totally sapped the momentum and any pride I felt when I realized that, that what was a proud accomplishment for me because I finally picked myself up off the ground feels really pathetic because it's so many years in the making. I'm finally working again as of August with a 10k increase and a $65,000 annual salary which is still small potatoes to most of my peers including my close girlfriends but better than where I was. And I have to say I'm somewhat proud because I managed this in four short years. But when I think about the fact that I live in an apartment, kind of in the hood, though nice and quiet, as opposed to a house, I have ginormous student loan debt. I have 10 years of life to catch up on, but my hamster wheel just can't go fast enough. And it honestly sends me to a very dark place in terms of self-doubt. I can't tell you the anxiety I have even writing someone like you expressing all of this. I was so touched by your interview with Nicole Kane. I cried with her and I saw some of my feelings in her experience. But for as inspiring as her story was, it actually made me feel worse. Here was this woman who had accomplished so much, literally had done her own thing since her 20s, traveled the world, and she was so heartbroken by that one setback of having to move back home. In my mind, as I listened, I was screaming, girl, at least you have shown yourself what you can do. You can do it again. Me, on the other hand, I've never been on that side of things. 2012 was the first time I had even earned $43,000. I was 33 years old, and it's very disheartening. Often, when I listen to your podcast, I recognize they are directed at guiding younger women so they know how to maneuver for the future. When I first began listening around 2014, you were discussing the book, The Defining Decade, and I was inspired by the info, but a little deflated. I ended up purchasing it from my little brother for his graduation off to college again in May, but was scared to read it myself for fear I'd cry because it would further remind me just how behind I am. So again, what about once you've made all the mistakes and you've lost the time? What are your words for those of us who for whatever reason didn't quite pull it together? What do you say to those of us who are older and for whatever reasons are behind in life but want more? How do we navigate against the clock in spite of looming feelings of failure? I ask all of this because while my new job is great and my boss and his boss are nice and I'm treated like an adult working amongst professionals as opposed to working for a time clock sergeant, it's still just a job. Other than the fact I can't work from home, it's an ideal ideal job, but it's a job. I want more. I want to do things I enjoy and that I'm good at. The problem is, I'm 37, still figuring those things out. I purchased the Secrets of Six-Figure Women book mentioned on your podcast, along with The Mastery of Love, and I can't open it because I find myself questioning if I'm spinning my wheels. Realize this was a little wordy, but please know it was incredibly difficult to write. So hopefully, you can decipher at least some of what am I, what am I, some of what I'm asking um, through all the rambling. Any words, thoughts, book suggestions would be greatly appreciated. So uh sending you a super long virtual hug from my kitchen in Atlanta uh I broke a lot of this down I highlighted a lot of things and I even giggled to myself and got mad at you when you asked me for book suggestions when you just said four different books in this letter that I recommended to you that you refuse to read because you are afraid so no book suggestions here we are going to tackle um hopefully tackle the issue at hand. So now that we've gone through that letter, I have put together um, a sort of organizational chart about what I think the overarching theme of this letter is. Then we're going to break through how that kind of pulls up some of the issues. And then believe it or not, I tried my best to put together some things that I think you can do um, to work through this. Okay, so Uh, not for nothing this whole letter was a complete comparison um I think I pulled out I don't know how many times you compared yourself so you said when I look at my life and compare all of the things I could have or should have that was one comparison judging yourself comparison um there was another one where you were saying that throughout the letter you consistently compare yourself with 26 and 27 year olds which is not good um you compared yourself with Nicole Kane. Um, you compared yourself with your old self. Um, so there were just so many times that I felt like you compared yourself with 19 year olds, 20 year olds, you know, your 19 year old self, 19 year old mistakes like that is just a huge, huge problem. So research has found that comparing breeds feelings of envy, low self-confidence and depression, which you also talked about in this letter, um, as well as compromises our ability to trust others. So I know we've all heard that saying of, you know, comparison is the thief of joy. But for some strange reason, we just can't stop doing it. Um, and so the thing that I wanted to talk about is that what you are comparing yourself against is inaccurate information you know and I know you've heard this saying that you are comparing I love to say you are comparing your actual documentary with other people's highlight reels you know um what people present to the outside world is typically an edited version of their reality, myself included, you know, all of the things that you see me post, my Instagram, you know, my Facebook, my Twitter, I am curating the story that I want to tell. It is not my real life. Even if I try to curate my real life, it's impossible to put my life in pictures, um, you know, 15 seconds, 140 characters. Um, it is absolutely impossible. And There's a study that I read about that said found that people tend to overestimate the presence in the presence of positivity in the lives of others while they misinterpret or fail to detect negative feelings in others. And so studies show that we naturally view other people's lives far more positive than they actually are. You know, and I'm going to use myself as an example because I feel like I can best speak about myself. But every week, you know, I am up against something and dealing with something. And I'm pretty sure that most people, Um, think that I have it all together. Nicole Kane was like, you know, you have it all together. And she was like, you know, you're not working. And it's like, oh my God, all I do is work daily from the time I open my eyes to the time I shut them. Not because anybody is forcing me to, but because I'm scared out of my mind. Like here I am trying to have all these businesses and trying to do things and I got to get up and hustle. Like that that is the burden of all burdens. And it's like, there's just no way that I, I can, sh- that I can share that with you. So understand that and understand that the comparison that you're doing is, is an incomplete picture. You know, we tend to distort the information we receive. It's like a lot of times people, and, and I know this to be true because I can post a picture and then you can go look in the comments and people will have put all kinds of stuff that they have made up in their head about what they think is happening. Like I posted a photo like on a date and people like, I'm so happy you found love. I'm like, girl, I have not found love, I promise you. But it's what we do, you know? And so it's, it's not fair to compare when you don't have all of the information and just know that you're never going to get it. Um, you're never going to get all of the information. So that's the first thing about comparison. The next thing is that comparison is a losing battle. Think about how long you've been on this comparison game. And, and let's, you know, at 37, where it's gotten you. Um, if comparing is how you evaluate your worth, you will always lose. Always. Because there will always be someone better than us at something always, you know, and it's just like, how boring would the world be if we were all on the same playing field at the same time all the time? And we never had anything to learn. We never had anybody to learn from. We just everybody was just all the same. And so it's just it wouldn't be that exciting of a world. And so, and I want to just tell you that you wrote the hell out of this letter. It is so beautifully written that if you are knocking yourself for anything, your ability to communicate is amazing. Like you sat me up in my bed last night with this letter and I was just so hurt when I finished reading it that like, this is someone who is beating themselves up, who in my eyes is an absolute winner, a fighter, resilient, who didn't have the support, you know, this is the hand that you got. She didn't have, I assume from the toxic parents book, didn't have supportive parents. Doesn't sound like you had a supportive family. You are a single mother raising a five-year-old making 65K, which I don't know, um why that's not popping but that is a a good salary um you went back to school you completed your degree you finished something the way you were able to describe who you are as a woman like through the strengths finders that you supported your young brother by getting him a book so that maybe he wouldn't go through some of the same mistakes that you did I was like girl you are phenomenal but I think you're missing it so let's talk about how you can work on the comparison. I believe that you must become intimately aware of your own successes. So some of those things that I just mentioned about you, it's time for you to get intimate about who you really are and what you've really done. You know, like it doesn't matter where the apartment is. You are able to put a roof over not only your head, but someone else's. So You got to get aware of the things that you've done. Compete less and appreciate more. You should start to routinely appreciate and compliment the contributions of others. Every opportunity that you get to do it, because what I have found is that when if we judge others, we judge ourselves. And if we aren't complimenting others, we aren't complimenting ourselves either. So the minute that you get into a habit of complimenting people, you find that it becomes easier for you to do it toward yourself. Um, another thing is gratitude, 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 thinking about everything in your life that you can be grateful for. You know, the fact that you, excuse me, the fact that you, open your eyes this morning like oh my god what a blessing because there's somebody somewhere today that that didn't happen for the fact that you have a roof over your head you have an apartment that the door locks the windows close it keeps you cool it keeps you keeps you cool in the summer keeps you warm in the winter oh my gosh you have a job a job that you were able to that you started at um you have completed your degree uh And more than anything, you are, it sounds like you are insanely self-aware that you coming to this point of understanding who you are, like be grateful, grateful that you can understand this about yourself. You should remind yourself that absolutely not one single human being is perfect. And the reason why I love to do these podcasts that I've been doing, um, that I think that people are starting to fall in love with is because I want to show people I haven't met a successful person that doesn't have some ish. You know what I'm saying? And I know that because I get to talk to them personally. And that's what I like to do. That's what I like to bring to this podcast is that the people that you follow or admire that you have exalted, just like you, you know, I remember when I was younger and I would talk to my dad about who I thought was like amazing and like, oh my God, I can never, you know, I can never be on their level. My dad was like, that person puts their pants on one leg at a time too. We're all human beings. You know, um, be able to find inspiration without comparing yourself. And I know what it's like to to see your peers succeed. It's like I just had Lovey on the podcast and I had her on, had Lovey on before her book even hit. And just today, she announced, well, she announced it a couple of days ago, but she entered as the New York times bestseller. If I was constantly comparing myself to her, like what would that say about me? It's like, I would put all the stuff that I've accomplished on the back burner because I don't have a book and my books, not on the New York times bestseller list. That's not how this works. How it works is, you know, congratulating her, celebrating her because her moment is her moment. And my moments are mine. Um, And if you find that you ever need to compare, compare with yourself, you know, strive to be the best possible version of yourself, you know, and that is really what you're doing. But you have to work hard to take care of yourself physically, spiritually, emotionally, and make that commitment to just growing, even if just even if it's just a little bit each day, um, make that commitment. And then I really want you to learn to celebrate yourself I didn't hear about any of that really in the letter I didn't hear about any ways that you celebrated yourself when you listen to this podcast because I'm going to email you back today I want you to celebrate with something that you absolutely love have a toast to yourself Um, pat yourself on the back because you made it you did it you're special you're amazing You're, you're you're your own um amazing person and I encourage anybody who's listening that like celebrate yourself today don't you know don't worry about what didn't happen who's doing things that you aren't doing I can literally sit here and compare myself to people all day who's doing what I'm not doing that's not what we're here for so I encourage you to celebrate yourself today next thing we I want to get into is you said you had no support system a couple times and um I know the feeling you know what I mean I think that for some strange reason, we are born thinking that, uh, like we should, our lives should come with one built in if we are born to two parents or something like that. But the truth is that life is not fair. And most times we just don't get what we need. Um, some people are born to wealthy parents or they have supportive siblings and so on, but most people don't have all of that. In fact, I go out on a limb and say, nobody actually has it all. Um so I would encourage you and this is just about building a support system to sort of figure out what it is that you need. Uh first step is probably going to be your mental supporters. People I consider my mental supporters people that I know I can call and get the love, attention and affection that I need. Um I have my good friends in my pocket that will support me no matter what. So um, Ken, who was on my podcast, my 100th episode, Ken is my friend that's going to send me a text and say, today is the first day of the rest of your life. Make it great, you know, and that's awesome. We need that. You know what I mean? It's like I have uh, other friends that will call me. My friend Taria is one of my mental supporters. She's coming over today. Um, I think she's coming over in like 30 minutes or an hour. So I'm excited to see her, but she's just my, my good girlfriend. And so I have put together a group of mental supporters. Um, and I just think it's helpful. You need that. Uh, and you also, if you want the support, you also have to support others. Another sort of building of your support system is maybe your mentors and coaches um I have friends that are there to guide me and keep me on my path they aren't going to kiss my boo-boos when I fall but they're, they're gonna pump me up and lift me up and I would consider you know I'm very lucky to have my dad as one of my coaches I can call on my dad um when I can call on my dad when I need that like Phil Jackson Lakers uh you know, when I need that boost, like he's going to give me that. And if you don't have that in a parent, there's somebody out there who will give it to you. And I'm certain that I am that person to some of my friends, you know, not the boo-boo kisser, but definitely the person that's going to be like, you got this, like, you know, you got this, 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 and that, like, come on. And, and, and put those people in your circle and understand that those mentors and coaches are not there to make you feel good. And I thought about that in terms of building a support system, the mentors and coaches, when you mentioned the therapist that you went to in college and you were saying that, you know, he stared at you emotionlessly. And sometimes we are looking for something from someone and that's not who they are that's not who they are in our support system you were you were you were uh, setting him up as a mental supporter when really he was more of a mentor or coach because you said that the one beautiful gift he did give me was a book entitled toxic parents which you haven't read and I'm gonna just suggest that you do because there has to be something there if he did it and you said yourself he was listening after all He's just a different kind of person in your support systems. Not smug, he's just different. And you need that sort of bouquet of of support. You need some accountability partners, someone who's going to help me stick with the things I say I want to do. And sometimes the person that comes offhand is like my trainer, you know, is my trainer my best friend? No. Do I call him on the weekends? No, but I'm very friendly with him. We talk when I'm at the gym, but I'll say, you know, I really want to work on this, this and this. And when I start falling off, oh my God, I'm I don't know anyone more annoying. Um, But just someone that stays on me, like, are you coming? Are you coming? This is what you say you want to do. So you need that my accountability partner my accountant is one of my accountability partners like we were just talking about you know when I first met with my accountant one of the things that we talked about is like what are my goals what were my financial goals and I told him what they were and it's easy to get sidetracked when things just keep coming up right and so there was a period um how long ago was it let's just say last week it was last week Last week, week before last, when um, I hit the deadline for putting away money, like the last time that you can put money in your 401k, and I was starting to get cheap with myself. Like, "Eh, you know, maybe next year I can save like, you know, more. And he was like, do not get sidetracked. Do not get sidetracked with what you said you wanted. And I needed that. I need a financial accountability partner. Um, And another person in my support system is my assistant, I can't get everything done on my own. I simply cannot. And I have someone in place to help support me professionally and sometimes personally. Um, I can't be everywhere all the time. You know, it's like I can't be in every place at every moment. And so you have to set your life up so that you get the support that you need. But most importantly, you have to figure out what you need and build your own village. You know, it's like instead of, sitting around saying what we know we didn't have or what we know we don't get. Um, You have to build your own village. Next point I'm going to talk to you about is about being late. You mentioned a few times in the letter that you were late. And if anybody knows me personally, tardiness is like, my Achilles heel. I cannot take it. I cannot take it. But I took some time and did some research because I know that being late is deeper than rap. I know it's about more than that. And so I wanted to share it with you and anybody else who may be struck struggling with chronic lateness. And so I did some research on the psychology of lateness. And it says that being late sends out the message that my time is more valuable than yours, or I am more important than you, or I'm doing you a favor by even being here at all. Um, it's an insult to others, uh, but it also undermines the person who was late because what it can do is say, what it what it can make the other person feel is that there's a lack of intelligence. Um, there's a lack of self-knowledge, um, a lack of willpower, or even a lack of empathy. Um, but the study talks about how being late is about more than just being mediocre or mediocrity. So being late is a passive aggressive way to express anger. So conscious or unconscious, you're saying, I am upset, right? You are passive and passive aggressive means behavior including creating doubt and confusion, forgetting or omitting significant facts or items, withdrawing from usual behaviors, um, and so on. So what you are saying is I'm angry about being here. I'm angry about the position that I am in my life. I'm angry about this job because I feel like I'm X age and at X age, I should be doing something else. And so I am going to passive aggressively express my anger about the situation by being late. And so the reason why this is not good is because we are not like by doing that, we're not handling the issue. The issue is not being identified or, re- or resolved. So that's what happening when you are being late. You know, it is um, you are late because maybe you feel inferior or unimportant. And when you feel inferior or unimportant, being late is a way to impose yourself on a situation, attracting maximal attention. Um, and even getting control over what's going on. so th- they talk about how you may notice that when some people are make a habit of being late, they like to also make a scene out of it, apologizing profusely and all of that. but it's like getting the attention you know that you that you want because you feel like maybe you're undeserving or maybe um maybe you're not happy, you're very angry. And so uh, the suggestion that they made is whenever you are late, you can learn a great deal simply by asking yourself, why exactly am I late? You know, and it's not because you couldn't get a cab or this person didn't show up or, you know, whatever it is sit down with yourself and, and ask yourself if, if you are being passive aggressive, if you feel, if you're angry, you don't want to be there or you feel inferior or, or unimportant or whatever it is, let's try to ask ourselves why we are late. And for those of you that know me, I am not a late person. I don't like tardiness at all. And I think that like, it is the, it is, the way that I can show someone that they can trust me, you know, I want to be seen as a trustworthy person. And so I don't show up late because I I want to have people's ultimate trust um, in me. And so that's my own personal thing. And like you were saying in this letter, when you don't really have a super strong support system meaning people who can like rescue you and save you you understand very early that the only thing that you have is like your rep your reputation um goodwill people um speaking highly of you when you are not around like I knew as a person who was quote unquote alone or on my own that like all I have is like my character and integrity and being late is not going to help me so Um, that's how I feel about that. Next thing I wanted to get into was the fact that you are simply a late bloomer. Malcolm Gladwell wrote an article in the New Yorker. Google it. It's very long. It's like, if you print it off, it's like 32 pages, but you can read it online. It's going to take you a while, but it's worthwhile. (sighs) This is what he says though. On the road to great achievement, the late bloomer will resemble a failure. Sounds a little dire, but the takeaway from Gladwell's piece is solid. All that time you're spending not being an amazing success may very well be practicing for becoming a shining star later on. While prodigies are rising and flaming out, you are honing your craft, seriously considering your path, experimenting with different outcomes and working out what will make you successful. Um, so I did some more research on sort of like late bloomers and midlife crisis typically shows up around 35 and three months. Um, they consider this the critical period. And the conversation, um, the conversations that I was reading was sort of like we live in America. We, I mean, in the world, celebrity is a thing. And what happens is that people who, are successful early, um, are on television. And by the time they're 20 years old, you know, they're celebrating and it's all we see, you know, when you see, you see a lot of successful people celebrating and dripped in diamonds and driving fancy cars. And they're just 27. And at, at 27, it makes you feel like all I got is a college degree, which is a terribly false impression of like, it's that thing of like comparing yourself to the small, small, small percentage of people who actually become successful um, at a young age. And the top 100 founders on the Forbes list show that 35 is the most common age to start one of the top companies in the world so they took out companies that were inherited sometimes we forget that um there's someone who's running for president that you know inherited something they took out companies where the governments were heavily involved and pretty much when they shook down the data the top 100 successful companies were started by people who were over the age of 35 so what they say is like consider it as like a bell curve right in school most people get grades somewhere in the middle that's the curve you got people who who lean far to the left who are on the lower end and then you've got those exceptions to the rule way on the right but if you think about most people and a lot of people being yourself being somewhere in the middle um a lot of your major life achievements are going to happen somewhere around there. So you are right on target. Like now you are heading into your upswing. I didn't become publicly successful until I was 33 years old. Um, and even that to me still sounds like very, very young. Um, but we talked about everybody being on different paths. And like when I finished, um, college. So I, to some people, I may be a late bloomer, you know, by the time I had turned 25, most of the kids that I was in, I was in like, just like you, honors classes, AP, all that good stuff. Uh, Most of my friends were already successful. Like my good girlfriend, she already had her PhD by the time she was 25 and was working in a hospital making six figures. Um, I had a lot of friends who were already doing really well in life, but I just still felt like that's their path. And I'm on mine. Like I'm running my race. You know what I mean? I'm doing my thing. And now I am in a different place than a lot of those people are. So you can't spend time thinking about that. Um, and it just says that like, once you graduate and you have the expectations from your parents, your you know, perceived peers and you see these young CEO and then CEOs in the news, self included, it makes you feel like a late bloomer. Like even for people at twenty-five, somebody wrote me today saying they feel like a late bloomer at twenty seven. It's crazy. Um, but because you are a late bloomer does not make you a loser. It's just like is it better to start Facebook at nineteen or IBM at sixty-one? Um, and that's just the way that you have to think about it is that, uh, I love JK Rowling. I think she became successful once she was already 40. Um, uh, the, I think her name is Erica who wrote 50 shades of gray, which I loved. I heard that she didn't write like the first one until she was 45. Um, Vera Wang, I heard that she didn't become successful until she was in her forties. If you just Google people who succeeded later in life, you'll be, you'll understand that you, you are on track for your own story and that there are plenty of people who succeed. And even I, I just, I read that the founder of IBM, uh, launched at 61 and lived 24 more years after he launched to enjoy the fruits of his labor. So 61, um, something else that you said that, really cook my grits girlfriend was that a degree just means working for other people and I was like I know I know she don't believe that I know she doesn't believe that because you went back and got your degree and I think it's just a very sort of like narrow thing to say or a narrow thing to believe because that's not what a degree means a degree means you Have the ability to earn more money because a lot of jobs with higher salaries require degrees. So a degree means making more money, the ability to make more money. A degree means your ability to have higher income and benefits for your family. A degree means you have access to better career opportunities. A degree means You have the ability to seek job security and job satisfaction. A degree means that you have invested in your future. It is a major commitment of time and money, which I'm sure you know, but it's a down payment on the success that you want to have. And it doesn't mean you have to have a degree to succeed, but a degree is not just working for other people and something that i think people have to understand is that even though i am a quote-unquote entrepreneur i still work for thousands of people who are members um to my subscription curl box. i still work for people who buy anything from me because um it's an exchange like we for as long as we are earning money, we are working for someone. It's just a matter of who your boss is. And I think a lot of people, you, you have a nice boss and his boss is nice, but when you work for yourself, my, I have a lot of bosses with a lot of different personalities, you know? So it's like, uh, my, my clients, my customers, uh, you know, I work with brands, like, so the clients and then the customers on the other end, it's like, you have a lot of bosses, you know, every day I've got a lot of bosses, thousands of bosses. And so um, a degree does not just mean working for other people. So let's erase that. And the other thing that kind of clicked my grits was that you were like, that I just a job, I heard you say just a job so many times. And there are so many benefits of having a job and I would think that someone who was out of work for eight months would agree with me but like just a job means that you have a paycheck you know just a job means that you have a place to go a sense of identity people the first thing that people ask is what do we do when you oh I do this I do that I do this that's what having a job does for us a job allows us to learn new skills so you now have access to an organization that has resources and tools for you to learn new skills. You know, maybe you can learn some new software, maybe you're learning marketing, maybe you learn sales, how to negotiate, teamwork. Um, it is not just a job. At this job, you have the ability to meet new people. You know, you can, maybe one of these people at your job is become somebody, somebody in your um, support, your network that you're gonna be building. Um, work-life balance. We feel good about ourselves when we feel useful you know, so you feel good about relaxing after work because you just had something that that did that. And our our work gives us meaning and purpose. And it's like it's not, you know, no job in the world is useless. You know, it's otherwise they didn't exist. It's like think about all the wonderful things that you bring to your job. One thing that I that I love about um, like I had a housekeeper who I know for a fact didn't view. Being a housekeeper as just a job or just a housekeeper because she could have said that I'm just a housekeeper. I never heard her say that. And because she didn't have that mindset, she brought so much A-game, so much life and joy and happiness to my house because she viewed herself as the keeper of my home. And my home is where my heart is. And she would have flowers on my nightstand. And when my plants died, she would replant them. She would do little nice things for me, you know. So when I got home, you know, there was always something like really nice. She would do something that she that she knew that I liked, like she would set things out for me. And I just was like, this is somebody who doesn't view herself as just a housekeeper. And I guess the story that I should tell you about my housekeeper is that she's no longer my housekeeper. She got hired to for I think hired by some millionaires or billionaires um to manage like their home life across like multiple properties, and so now she manages the housekeepers, and so she doesn't even do that work anymore. But like, she's set, you know, she's got benefits, insurance, all that stuff, and so. I think just the way that she views her job got her to the top like that. It's like she never felt like anything was beneath her and I could call her to this day I have. I have called her in a bind in between housekeepers and been like I will pay you a grip just to come help me and she will because she views it as more as that. She's not like oh let me come get my money, let me get my check. She's like yes, I will come. What do you need? How can I help you? Um and so I think that that is something that you have to keep in mind when you are saying that this is just um, a job. So those were the notes that I have for you. I wanna go back and reread your last sort of like question. And your question to me was, um, what are your words for those of us for whatever reason that didn't quite pull it together? I would say, if you don't feel that you've pulled it together today is the day that you can pull pull it together. Like it's never too late to start on anything. There are a lot of things that I started later in life. Like you can't be great at everything, you know, it's like, Little by little, I just try to get better every day and you can do the same thing. And so uh, maybe maybe this year or next year, it's not all about your health journey. It's about your professional journey. Maybe one year it's about your love life or your romance. And that's kind of just how I do. It's like, I don't put all this pressure to be amazing at everything all the time. Like I decided, when I decided that I was ready to focus on dating and having a relationship, I was like, okay, I'm gonna have to give something up. And I knew that I would probably, what I decided to give up was like, my um, exercise so I used to work out like three four mornings a week no matter what and when you're dating and you're hanging out late or you're spending weekends away with someone you can't be so regimented like I was and so disciplined and ordered and so for the last I would say maybe two years I for the first time this year I got back to my Saturday workouts I hadn't worked out on Saturdays and I don't know how long but I took the time you know to understand what season I was in and understanding that as I'm in one season, every ball can't be up in the air at the same time. So that's what I would say to you is that, pull it together today. Like pull one thing together today. Don't focus on step 20 and step 35 and where you're supposed to be. What is one thing that I can pull together today? You know, maybe it's just exercising. Maybe it's just a healthy meal. Maybe it's just reading what you know you need. to. Maybe it's going and picking up one of those books that you haven't read yet. Um, That is a start. Like give yourself, give yourself um, a pat on the back for just doing one of those things. And what do you say to those of us who are older and for whatever reason are behind in life, but want more is that I just don't think that anybody should be feel like they're behind on anything. It's just you, you're in your season and you're blooming differently than everybody else. You know, like your, your situation is just much, much different and everybody's blooming differently. And as we bloom differently, we are all dealing with a different set of challenges. Like I've said this ad nauseum. If I had become successful a a day sooner I don't think that I would have been able to handle it you know and even in my podcast with Twan, he said he realized when he didn't get something um when he whenever he didn't get something once it finally showed up he realized that had he gotten it any sooner he would not have been ready for it and so just understanding that your your season is different you're blooming different you popping different and that's okay um and how do we navigate against the clock in spite of the looming fe- feelings of failure? Um, you have to understand that there is no, there is no clock. Uh, you, your clock is different. Your clock is ticking differently. Use your time wisely. I understand the looming feelings of failure, but you haven't failed anything. You sound like you are, are an insanely articulate woman. Um, you sound like a mother who has taken care of her child putting a roof over his head, feeding him, get doing all the things that fantastic parents would do when you're doing this on your own with no support system. Um, you haven't failed the things that you've done. You've learned from, we all make mistakes. I've made a ton of them. Mistakes are proof that we are trying. So celebrate yourself, give yourself a hug today. Understand that you're just blooming differently, perhaps late later. Um, but you've got your whole life ahead of you. And I'll use my, um, I'll, I'll use the quote from my best friend, Ken. Um, today is the first day of the rest of your life. Make it great. Bye guys.